This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, good morning, good morning. Good to see you in the house of the Lord. Honored to worship with you today. If you're a guest, we're glad to have you. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand? Uh, get your hand up, and our ushers would gladly put the Word of God in your hand. I believe it's going to be really significant. So again, once you get a Bible, go with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 5. I, Isaiah chapter 5, and we're beginning a new series here today on, on how we learn to navigate through a, a culture that has bought into a lot of deception, the issues of the world, and and it's, it's a place in our life where we've really, really got to stay with the Word of God. Unbelievably stay in with the Word of God. Whether it's in your own personal life and in your home. You know, and so think of it in this sense that, you know, when you have a child and he's learning to ride a bike and you tell him, instruct him, do, do not ride your bike in the street. And you think, you know, I've told them and told them they'll get it. And then one day you walk outside and they're walk, riding in the street and a car's coming. Do you sit down on the front porch and say, well, I guess they're going to learn the hard way. <laughs> no, you're probably going to be real vocal and yell, get out of the street. Some of that woke you up, didn't it? <laughs> Why? Why do you do that? Because you love them. You love them, and the truth sometimes has is, is, is got to be spoken very boldly. So why are you saying that, Pastor? Because that's what's going to happen today, okay? Understand this. I love you. But again, there's some things that are going on right now within our society, within our churches as a whole, that really, really needs to be addressed. So we're going to start in Isaiah 5. Let me set the table for you just a little bit here. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 5 he gives six woes, W-O-E, woe. Now the word woe, some translations say it's doom. Others say it's a denunciation or to denounce. Here's one of the best ones I came across. It suggests a funeral setting. So when you think about a funeral setting, what are you talking about? Well, death or mourning. And so when you see these woes, this, this isn't good news. So I encourage you to read that, but we're going to start in verse 20. Isaiah uh, chapter 5, verse 20. Woe, doom, what sorrow to those who call evil good and good evil. Woe. Better way of saying that is, who has the right to tell me if that's right or wrong? Who, who can speak into my life? Who put darkness or substituted darkness for light and light for darkness? Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter? And so we begin to see something here that there's a distinction within stuff. And when, when I begin to do what he says, don't, who can call good evil or evil good? When you begin to do that, you're on the road to destruction, okay? You're on the road called woe. Verse 21, woe to those who are wise or smart in their own eyes and prudent or clever in their own sight. They have a high opinion of themselves, kind of like this. Ooh, I'm so smart. 
I am so smart. This may help some of you. I have a million followers. Well, I stayed at a Holiday Inn and that doesn't make me a doctor. So again, when you see these things right here, whoa, whoa. Verse 22, woe to men, mighty or heroes at drinking wine. Do you know in Psalm, or not Psalm, in Proverbs 31, it says wine is for people who are in depression. Ow, pastor. Whoa, doom to men valiant or bows for mixing intoxicating drink. So again, when you begin to see some of the stuff he's talking about, who can really say what's right or wrong? Well, that's why I've got to come to a place where I, I, I stay with the Bible. And anytime I, I get away from the Bible, my, my morals become very, very fuzzy and very, very confusing if I don't stay with the Word of God. The only way that life makes sense is you've got to stay with the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. So we see this right here in verse 22, and he gets over on alcohol. And I keep reading this, and I keep reading this, and I just don't get it. I'm like, what, what's the woe? What's the significant in this passage? Well, if you were to pay close attention in it, my, my Bible cross-referenced me to the prophet Zechariah in Zechariah 4 and verse 6. And he said, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by the Spirit of God. So when we take the Word of God and the Spirit of God out of the equation, all I got left is the world. So was he telling us in this verse, in Isaiah 5, the woe here is you're going you're gonna to be influenced by either the things of the world or you're going to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. And when I'm influenced by the world, I allow the world to determine what's right or wrong. You might as well put a stamp on your forehead that says woe. Woe. Doom, destruction. Wow. Quite a way to start here, huh? Go with me to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And as we begin to turn here, Paul's, his concern here in 2 Timothy, and most believe this may have been his last book before he died. But his concern was for the welfare of the church and the safeguarding of, of the gospel. And so when you read 2 Timothy, this was a letter that the apostle Paul wrote to this young pastor named Timothy. And he said, Timothy, you, you got to get this here, okay? You, you got to really, really, really listen to me. And the reason I'm highlighting that is because I believe this is so relevant to the day we live in. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I charge you, and that word charge there is a word that you find used in the testimony of court of law. I charge you, therefore, before God and before the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I charge you before God's eyes and the Lord Jesus' eyes. Who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. 
Now he begins immediately and says, Lord Jesus and Father God are, are going to judge every one of us. I don't, I don't care when he comes back. If you're alive or you're dead, you're going to stand before God. Well, I don't believe in God. Well, I hope this helps you. You're not exempt from that just because you don't believe in God. You're going to stand before God, okay? That's what a society doesn't understand right now. There's coming a day when you're going to stand before God. And so when you read verse 1 here, this is the gist of that right here. God's got the final word. God's got the final say for every one of us. Verse 2. Preach the word. Preach the word. Now I think if these are some of Paul's last letters, this is what he wanted to impress upon this pastor's heart. He said, preach the word. One translation says, preach the word of God. Literally, literally word for, preach the word of God. Proclaim the word, stand on the word, no matter what. Preach the word. Don't entertain them. Don't try to be a comedian. Preach the word. So he's digging in right there, and, and Paul's re relaying to him the significance of the word of God. Now, for every one of us, we're going to stand before God. But I, I want to highlight something why I think this is important, why he said this to, to Timothy here. In James 3, verse 1, he says, I want to tell all you that go into the ministry. I want you to understand this. You're going to be held at a stricter judgment. I get it. I get this. I'm, I'm going to be held at a stricter judgment. You know why? Because the things I teach or don't teach you. And so I figured out, and it didn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. The more I preach the word of God, the better it's going to be for me when I stand before God. Not only for me, but here's the truth of the whole matter of this today, is I don't want this thing called eternity to come and some of you look up at me and say, you were gutless. You, you knew the truth and you didn't have enough guts to tell us. And so again, the apostle Paul is making this clear to this young guy. He said, preach the word. The greatest responsibility of the church Deuteronomy 4 verse 2 says this. He said, don't add to my word. It doesn't need help, okay? And don't take away from my word. Well, you know, I, I like this in the Bible, but I sure don't like that. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. You know what that is? All the time. Be ready inside, out of season. Convince, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. And let me read that to you again. Whew. Convince, rebuke, and exhort. The Passion says, preach in the full expression of the Holy Spirit. The Amplified says, listen real close to this. You are to show people in what ways their lives are wrong. Woo. I'm going to make a point here. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. You know how many times I hear that on a weekly basis? 
Don't judge me. I'm not judging you. He told him you are to convince and to rebuke and exhort. So there's times when you're rebuked. It's not because I don't like you. It's because I love you. It's just like a parent that loves you. Sometimes you've got to rebuke. You know why? People learn one of two ways. You learn the hard way or you learn by wisdom. And most people, we learn the hard way. But he told him, he's saying, you got to preach the word. And with the word, there'll be times that the word will correct, the word will exhort, and the word will rebuke. And he said this in one translation, understand, Timothy, there's going to be ones that are going to desert. It may appear they're mad at you, but they're really mad at the word of God. So if you get up and walk out right now, I'm okay. I don't hope you do that, but the old saying, sometimes the truth hurts. Keep reading. For the time will come, such is the time, when they, church-going folk, will not endure sound doctrine. They will not want to hear the word of truth. They will not want to be preached to in line with the word of God. And it's interesting, he said, and they, and they, church folk, they will not endure sound doctrine. So the question mark comes after that. What is your appetite? I don't know about you. I want sound doctrine. Only the truth sets people free. I don't want to come in here and blow smoke up your nose. Some of you got, I was going to say something else. I thought about it. They won't endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. According to my own desires. Watch the definition of my own desires. Because they have itching ears. You know what itching ears is? Itching ears is I want to follow my own desires. And he goes on to say, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And those teachers will foster their heirs right there. They will say, it's okay. Satisfy me. Tell me what I want to hear instead of what I need to hear. Tell me what I'm doing is okay. Even though the word of God doesn't agree with that. And so this is where we're at, and, and this is a gradual progression. This begins to take place. It's kind of like a, a slow erosion. It'd be like the ocean crashing toward the beach day after day. And then you watch a little bit of it goes and goes, and it takes off. Takes a little bit, takes a little bit, takes a little bit. And I think about this in my life, how I've seen stuff that, that has just been gradual. Many of you have never heard of this show, but years ago there was a, a little sitcom called Leave It to Beaver. <laughs> the Cleaver's House. And I remember when Mr. Cleaver would leave, if he kissed Ms. Cleaver on the cheek, it was huge. Now, this back in the 60s. It was almost like we'd watch him kiss him and we'd put your hand over here. Oh my God, he kissed her on the cheek. 
And the progression begins. And then I, I remember when, you know, you hear a, a movie the first time and there's a cuss word in it and you're like, wow. And then before long in the music industry, it's cuss word after cuss word. And so it, it begins the progression. And now, man, I mean, you watch a sitcom, you're talking about cleavage to a high degree. Skin is in. And, and so it was just a, a, a gradual progression and, and this is how the word of God begins. It's a little gradual progression. Let, let's get God out of our schools. Let, let's get God out of our courthouse. Let, let's don't mention the name. Let's just stay away from that. For sure don't put the things of God in our textbooks. And so you begin to see what takes place here. Verse 4. And they will turn their ears from the truth. They will close their ears to the truth in place of what? And be turned aside to fables or myths, widely held but false beliefs or ideas, man-made factions. And so literally what happens here is we begin to gravitate to the things of men instead of the word of God. This was written to the church. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. 2 Corinthians 11. And so this is some of the terminology we hear right now. But the word of God's outdated. We need to improve on the word of God. But but it's it's culturally acceptable. So because it's culturally acceptable, that means it's right. So we go back to, what's my standard of living? What's my guideline of living? And, and without the word of God, this is what begins. This is where we're at right now. We've got to stay with the word. We've got to stay alert with the word of God. 2 Corinthians 11 and when the Apostle Paul wrote this, his concern was for their faithfulness. I want you to be faithful is what he's saying. Verse 11, oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly. And indeed, you do bear with me. The Amplified says, bear with me while I indulge in a little so-called foolishness and craziness. Now, the reason he says this here, Paul was never about boasting about himself because he viewed that as foolish. But in this situation, this is exactly what he did. And the reason he did it was, was to show the foolishness of these false teachers. He was exposing them. Now watch what he says here in verse 2. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, with an intense desire, with a passionate commitment. This is what Paul said. For I have betrothed you. I have betrothed you. I have pledged you. I have promised you to one husband. Not two. To one husband. Just one. 
Now let me keep reading and then I'm going to highlight this. The one husband. That I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. As a pure virgin to Christ. So when you look at this, the one husband that he was talking about was Jesus. I'm going to say this numerous times throughout this morning probably. There's only one husband. There's only one way to the Father. John 14, 6. The only way to the Father is through the Son. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Why are you highlighting that? Because we live in a society right now that tries to tell people there's a lot of different ways to God. Not according to the B-I-B-L-E. There's just one way. Just one. And I I, I hate to blow up your doctrine, but there's just one. If you really want to be biblical, just one, just one husband. And he said, I want to present you to just that one husband. So what's he trying to tell us? He's liking that as, as a marriage covenant. And so when you think about a marriage covenant, how does that start? It starts with a vow that says, I'm going to stick with you through thinner and thicker, through ugly and pretty. I know those weren't some of your vows, but you get the point. (laughs) At least I hope those weren't. (laughs) But, But think about this. You know what those vows said? I'm committed. I'm committed. Now, most of us in here, those vows would say something like this, until death do us part. And so he was telling, I'm presenting you as a pure virgin. And when you make that acceptance, you say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. That means I'm all in. See, if you're married, you understand this. When you're married, you don't take days off. There's sometimes you'd like to. Sometimes you have the thought, I'd like to trade her in on a newer model. (laughs) Just kidding, okay, relax. (laughs) But see, you see what he's saying here, the significance of the word of God. He said, I'm presenting you as a a pure virgin. I'm jealous for you. So when you see those words there, God's not into sharing. God said, I want you, I want you to be faithful. I want you to be committed. Verse 3, but I fear or am afraid, lest somehow, as the, the, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. Now, he, he highlights Genesis 3 is where he takes us to, and he said he's afraid that the same way that Eve was led astray is the same way that many of us will be led astray. And you may ask the question, well, just how did the devil deceive Eve and leave her her astray? He got her to question the validity of God's word. If If he loved you so much, why is he holding that one tree from you? Why is he forbidding you? And so 
he, he gets her to begin to question the character of God. And in Genesis 3, 4, he said this, you won't surely die. That's similar to us to this day. You surely won't go to hell. And the same symptoms that led Eve astray, he still works those ways. So pay close attention how he finishes this because this will show me and you where he attacks. As he deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So where's the place of attack? He plays mind games. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinketh, so is he. So the devil, he comes to distort the scriptures. He comes where you begin to question God. But that's why if I stay with the scriptures, I understand. I, I got God's character. I understand God's heart because the Bible tells me so. And so anyway, the devil can get you off track. He's going to seduce you. He's going to try to pull you away from the simplicity. And when you look at Eve's life, the, the, the end result, whoa, it was disastrous. Now, in verse 4, he's getting ready to give us incredible information on how and who this will take place with. Now, watch this. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we've not preached. If he who comes preaches another Jesus. If anyone you listen to tells you about another Jesus. You know what that's saying? There's other ways to God besides Jesus. But this is what he's dealing with. Remember, there's just one husband. Just one. So in these end times, and we're in these end times, the end times will be marked by many will begin to say, there's many ways to Jesus or to the Father. But he's warning here, and then he says, for if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we've not preached, or if you've received a different spirit which you've not received. Huh. Or a different gospel which you have not accepted. So you know where he goes after us? A different Jesus, a different Holy Spirit, and a different gospel. Now, I'm not saying this to beat other people up. What they do is what they do. But there's a lot of other so-called text out. They're not the Word of God. They're not the Bible. There's, there's only one Bible, Okay. And so the reason I'm telling you, you got to stay, understand there is no other way to God but Jesus and there's the Holy Spirit and there's the Word of God. I, I got to get this to soak in me. And so anything that is not of the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, or the Word of God, guess what that would be? That would be a counterfeit. That would be a knockoff. Better stated, an imitation. It may look like the real deal, but it's not. It's got to stay with the word. Just this week, 
the lady who does a lot of our financial stuff, she came in and she said, Pastor, you wouldn't believe this. She said, in the offering this, this week was a counterfeit $1 bill. Now, I don't believe anybody in here did that maliciously. I hope you didn't, but... She said when she took the money to the bank, the banker stopped and goes, that's a counterfeit. And she locked, like, right. And she said if you looked at the front, it looked perfectly normal. When he flipped the back, you could see it. When you study on how people can pick up counterfeit money, people that work for the U.S. Treasury Department, they handle money all day long. Thousands and thousands, they're touching it all day, all day, all day, all day, all day, all day. So they get a feel for the real. And just that one little fake one, they can pick it up just like that. Just like that. Because it's a counterfeit. It looks real, but it's not real. How many of you ever had it? Have any of you ever had a knockoff, some type of knockoff? I have. I got some knockoff Oakley sunglasses one year. Five bucks. And a guy in the church said to me, said, man, pastor, I love your Oakleys. I said, you want to buy them? I just kid. I wasn't going to sell them to him because then I grinned and said, they're not Oakleys, they're Chokeleys. <laughs> he said, those are knockoffs. I said, yeah, they are. And so I remember I was with my grandkids and we were at a water park and I went down this water slide and I had them. And when I hit the water, the pressure, the water, it blew both the lens out. Poof. And people were looking like, man, that dude's Oakley. He lost his lens. And I thought, see you later. You're not, you're not worthy of me swimming after you. See, this is what we do with the gospel if we're not careful. That's why I got to love my Bible. Fall in love with your Bible. Understand this, this is God's direction to me. And he ended that and he said, you may well put up with it. You, you may well put up with it. And if I'm not careful, when a lie is repeated enough and it's left unchecked, it will eventually become an accepted truth. Wow. And so I judge and I measure everything by the word of God. And get this today, get this. There is no neutral ground. I'm either in or I'm out. Now I got one passage I want you to go with me. Go with me to the book of Jude. Right before Revelations. Right before the, the last book before Revelations. And, and I'm going to tell you, just in your reading these next few days, read the book of Jude. It's just one chapter. And, and I've, I've fallen in love with this, this whole book here. Because it appears Jude became very urgent in, in his purpose to warn people about dangers. And the dangers was false teachers. And, and when I read this over and over, I find that he's telling us that, that, that your resource here has got to be the scriptures. I, I can't be swayed by false teachers. This, this is a good one. Humanistic philosophies right now. Don't allow man to tell you what's right and wrong. Go to the word of God. Jude, verse 1. A bondservant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, 
to those who are called sanctified. The word sanctified means you've been set apart. You've been declared holy. By God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. I've been sanctified. I've been declared holy. I've been set apart. And so literally what he's telling us there through the word sanctification, I'm not to blend in and look like the world. That's why he said once you get born again, separate yourself. I'm not better than the world, but I'm not to act like the world. And then it's interesting, the wording here, he said, and be preserved in Jesus Christ. Be preserved in Jesus Christ. Not not just a little dabble, be preserved in Jesus Christ. Now, this will date me again, too. I, I remember this as a young child, that growing up in those times, my mother did a lot of canning. How many had parents that did canning? Some of you don't you don't even know what that is. <laughs> don't have a clue, Pastor. Don't have a clue. A can of something you buy at Walmart in the grocery. Then, well, you would put these can these jars in a in this a slow cooker. What was those called? Pressure cooker. And I'm telling you, man, when my mom would put that pressure cooker on, she'd say, "You guys go outside." She was afraid something was going to go right through the roof. Man, those things exploded. Oh my gosh. And, and so. This is why it would happen that my mom would bring in these bushels of black-eyed peas. And she'd look at my brother and say, you two are, you're in charge of shucking those dudes. And we'd have that look like a cow at a new gate, like, what are you talking about? We'd sit there for hours, we'd shuck peas and stuff. But what would happen, the reason you would do that is you would preserve those black-eyed peas, that you would have them all year round. It wasn't just good for the moment. So when I think about this, we've been preserved with Jesus. You've been put in that, that cooker. Preserved. Not just a little, not just for the, man, God wants you, he wants to preserve you. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Ooh, I welcome that. Verse 3, beloved church folk, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, our common salvation, and he wasn't talking about just believing Jesus, he was talking about the word of God that, that produced the common salvation. You begin to hear the word of God and that's how people get born again. Now, watch what he says here and this is what really got me. I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you, encourage you to contend earnestly for the faith. The word contend there meant defend it, to vigorously fight for, strive for, to maintain. In other words, the word of God cannot be compromised. Contend for the faith. So do you know what he's telling us? There's got to be something within me that says, no, this is what God's word says. I I don't care what anybody else says. I'm defending the word of God. I'm fighting vigorously for the word of God. And I believe that's the signs of the times we're in. And we got generations that come, they haven't even gone to church. They don't even know the word of God. I'm raising the bar on us to say, let's contend for the faith. 
I don't know about you. I'm honored to say I'm going to contend for the faith. Which was once for all delivered to the saints. So when Jude was writing this, he was writing to this to church folk. He started verse 3 and he said, beloved, and he earned uh, in verse 3 with the saints of God. So he's telling us as believers, you got to contend for the faith. Because if you don't contend for the faith, that erosion begins to take place. And you know what ultimately happens? If I don't stay with the word of God, I begin to flirt with the world. And when I begin to flirt with the world, that's not a good thing. We can take my name out of the equation and we can put everyone. If I don't get around the things of God day by day by day by day, I'm going to gravitate toward the things of the world. Well, I'm exempt from that. Woo, do you get dressed in a phone booth? Because again, I find that in my life. I've got to stay around God day by day. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So when I read what Jesus said, that's Matthew 4, 4. Understand this. I feed this man right here three hot meals a day. Man doesn't live by bread alone. I better get into the word. So again, we wonder why we're so spiritually malnourished. We feed our natural man three hot meals a day and we feed our spirit man one cold snack a week and we think we're world conquerors. No. If the only word I'm getting throughout the week is right here on Sunday mornings, you're getting your blessed assurance kicked throughout the week. Well, pastor, you ought to be a prophet. Think about that. Verse 4. Watch this again here. For certain men, certain godless men have crept or slipped or wormed their way into the church unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. They were predicted a long time ago ungodly men who turned the grace of God into lewdness. Better stated here. They've turned God's grace into a license to sin. They've turned God's grace into saying, you know what? You can live however you want. God's grace is for me to justify my opinions and justify my behaviors. Wrong. The word lewdness right there means Wickedness. So they've used God's grace to say, it's okay for me to live in wickedness. And where did this come from? He said it was imposters that people were coming into the church and saying, you know what? How you live is meaningless. It's okay. You get saved by grace. You don't get saved by good works. But once I get born again, there ought to be a change within my lifestyle. I'm not pe- preaching perfect. Jesus was the only person never perfect, and he died for it. But I am preaching this, that grace was to bring a holiness in me. Grace me to, to be sanctified. Grace me to be separate. Grace me to be different. If I wasn't graced to be different, why did he charge us to be the salt of the earth, to be the city that sat on a hill? 
He said, man, let, let there be a noticeable difference in your life. And I, I love it to this day when people look at me and say, what happened to you? I gave my heart to Jesus. And I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I started hanging around other Christians. And whoop, here it is. This is what God's grace was for. It wasn't a license for me to sin, but it was a help to keep me from sinning. And he goes on to say, who turned the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus. And I highlight again, the only, the only in Deuteronomy 6, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one God. My God is the great Jehovah. My God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. My God's name is Yahweh. My God's name is not Allah, okay? My God's name is the great Jehovah. He's, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever God. And not only that, there is only one way to him. Why are you highlighting that? Have you seen a bumper sticker around town that says coexist? Pastor, I have one of those on my car. Well, get it off. Why? I'm going to do, do life with every person there is, but you know the bottom line is we, we misinterpret toward people and we don't tell them there's only one. There's only one. And, and sometimes that's a hard pill to, to digest. I didn't write the book. But I believe in the book. I stand on the book. Everything within me is based on this book. So when you come to me and say, well, what do you think about this? You know what I'm going to say? What does the word say? What's the Bible say? Well, I don't like, I don't like what the Bible says. They got to fall in love with the Word of God again. So when I begin to look at all this, what am I really trusting? The answer to the church to this day isn't to avoid confrontational parts of Scripture. The story today is this: we we got to welcome the truth. Not, not only for us, but for these generations behind us. Because I've watched now the, the erosion that goes on and goes on. And we have a thought in our society that I can call something that's true, not true, even though it's still true. Just because I call something that's not true, or true, not true, doesn't make it right. And so when people come back and say, but, but... No, I either believe the word or I don't. And so in this passage here, I've got to live in submission to Jesus and through the word of God. So let me ask you something. Do you embrace the truth? Or do you run from the truth? Are you open to the correction of the truth? I am. And I can tell you this right now. The word of God corrects me, and the word of God rebukes me, and the word of God exhorts me. I welcome that. 
That's a loving father is what that is. And so off those questions right there that I just asked, is there an alarm going off on your spirit man today? A wake up, wake up, wake up. How about this? Grace me, Father God, to contend for the faith. Grace me to stir up the passion, to contend for the faith. And I don't have to be ugly about that. I can just tell, this is what I believe, and you're not going to change the way I believe. I'm going to stay with the Bible. And here's where I believe stuff really needs to happen into our own lives. We need the fear of God to come back into the church. A reverential fear where I stand in awe of him. Because if I don't, you're on a road called woe. Woe. So I can stand before you today and I can tell you, I love every one of you. I love you enough to tell you the truth, okay? And I know at times some people don't want to hear the truth. But I love people enough to tell them the truth because I know only the truth sets people free. Once you stand up today. Man, not quite in this Episcopalian church. I've had this, this sit on me now for two months. Two months, and there were times I, I, I've tried to bargain with the Lord. But I don't, I don't, I don't want to preach these things, Lord. And again, he'll sit back on me, and he'll begin to move within me, and it's like the heart of the Lord is saying, you've you got to tell people the truth. We've, we've gone so far from the truth. And so as the team gets ready to sing here, let me ask you something. You need to come back to the truth? Did you have a woe wake-up call? Do you need the fear of God to, to strike within you? As I begin to pray about this the last few days, I would literally see individuals coming down here. I would see marriages coming. I would see families coming down here. And one of the reasons I believe families would come down here is the daddy to say, kids, I love you enough to tell you the truth. I love you enough to say what Joshua said there in Joshua 24, 15. He said, it's for me and my house. We're going to serve God. We're going to serve God. We're going to live for God. We're going to make a stand for the kingdom of God. I get it right now. This may not be popular in the United States of America, but it's really popular in heaven. So bow your head with me. Father God, we love you today and we honor you today. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, go to work within us to stir hearts here, Lord. To stir hearts. Just to move in hearts. And if you're here this morning and whoa, W-O-E, whoa. 
that defines you right now. You can, you can say in my heart, woe is me. Woe. Woe. I'm on a road to doom, to destruction. Woe. Becomes a wake-up call. If that's you right now, just, just move down here. Just come on down here. Just get out of your seat and come to the altar right now. Jesus loves you. It's not to beat anybody. It's, it's the woe that says, I love you enough. I love you enough. I love you enough. And maybe there's a wake up today that says, in my house, there's a new fire. We're going to contend for the faith. We're going to contend for the faith. We're going to live for you, Lord, like other, no other time. This is a good one. Father God, I welcome your grace today. Not a grace to help me to sin, but a grace to get me out of sin. A, a fresh grace today. Woo, grace me, Lord, grace me. Grace me. I, I don't know about you, it's my, my cry throughout the... Grace me to be a man of God. Grace me, Lord, today to live for you. Grace me today in my tongue. Grace me in my thought life. Grace me, Father God. So we're going to pray for you. If our prayer teams will come on down, we're going to pray for you. I believe God's going to move in here right now in the name of Jesus. So as they sing, if you want to respond in it, just come on down. I'm, I'm telling you, you want a fresh touch from God, just come on down. God's going to move. Go ahead, guys. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.